0: Welcome to Open Sources Guelph here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. I am Adam A. Donaldson of Guelph Politico, and joining me is.
1: Scotty Hertz. Uh, Adam, you get it up to any stage two shenanigans yet, or no? The hair is down your <laughs> knees and.
0: and uh, all that or, no, well, I've been cutting my own hair the last year and a half, so.
1: Oh, please take pictures. I haven't seen this. No. Adam I, and I, I haven't seen each other since. Forever. It looks fine it's it's you don't look um, like mo
0: from the three it's not (laughs) no i didn't have to no um i couldn't handle the bangs uh no it's uh stage two shenanigans uh i mean they weren't too much too not too much different from stage one shenanigans but uh well whatever i guess you're right (laughs) i don't know we're just in
1: that mode now it's like uh,
0: did you get up to anything no did you no okay well, the, the thing about the haircut is, it's like, yeah, I could probably go and get a haircut and make an appointment and stuff. But you know, on the other hand, where am I going to go to show off my new haircut?
1: True, very true. Just go Floby. <laughs>
0: <That's> Floby. Floby. <laughs> oh, there's a reference. Open Sources is CFRU's political and current affairs discussion show, and you can find us here every Thursday at five PM. As we talk about the latest news items from Guelph, Ontario, Canada, and around the world, and we sometimes interview local newsmakers and politicians, this week, though, it's just going to be talking about the news that we're doing, and that includes 1492 Land Back Lane. The developer has apparently ceded their claim to that unceded land. But is this a one-off for land offenders, or the start of maybe some real reconciliation? And then... Canada has its first-ever Indigenous Governor General in the form of Inuk public servant and diplomat Mary Simon. But why does everyone want to talk about the election instead? And finally, it's been six months since the attack on the U.S. Capitol, and it seems like nothing's changed much at all. Why is American democracy still in such extreme danger and speaking of extreme danger, we're going to kick off this week's show by talking about climate change. It has made the front page again this week in uh, true global climate change style. It is uh, global. Uh, we have in BC, close to home here, we had the heat dome. That's another little term that's new and exciting. Um if you were looking forward to dying in a heat wave, which mm. several hundred people did in B.C., plus a village was almost literally wiped off the map by fire in one night. And then we go to Jalalabad, where uh, it was so hot, it tested human endurance and the human ability to live in the heat, 52 degrees Celsius. Whoa. And then in Florida, there's this case of the condo tower in Surfside, not explicitly so far uh, considered a climate change catastrophe, but there are some concerning reports that were filed in the days before the condo collapse that um, could be an indication that uh, if you're living along the close the, the coast in Florida, uh, you climate change could be affecting you very soon.
1: Yeah, the condo collapse is is a quite a bit of an overlap with climate change, but also a kind of a fitting metaphor mm-hmm. for everything. I guess let's talk about Lytton first, the hottest spot in Canada possibly ever, as long as records have been, being, been kept. Mm-hmm. And then it burns down in a flash fire. And there was a lot of emphasis put on the fact, well, the fire was human-caused. It's like, well, yeah, it probably was. But it also... We're also at the point where all of these, the majority of the factors that caused the fire and Lytton being the hottest spot mm-hmm. in Canada on that day and, and since records um, is human initiated. We, mm-hmm. This this is an accepted fact now. Globally, last June, last month was the fourth hottest on record. Mm-hmm. And those records keep getting broken and local records keep getting broken. All heat records just are breaking especially with effects such as this the heat dome as you said the uh, which is effectively a, a pressure cooker certain <laughs> factors combined like the jet stream and one of the key things seems to be warming ocean temperatures and it just creates mm-hmm. that the dome the uh pressure cooker them looks a bit like a muffin actually but you're you're literally just sitting under this thing and we've we felt a bit of it later uh, or earlier this week or late mm-hmm. late last week too. That that heat that we had here in Ontario and in this area was the remains of that. And that was pretty damn hot. Mm-hmm. I and mean, it wasn't it wasn't unusual for us, I suppose, but it was like that that was the just imagine that and add fifteen raw degrees and then hum, <laughs> yeah. humidex and fires. Fires due to drought and dryness and like that's another Continuous record, or well, it's the driest summer on record. Farmers, farms suffering, fruit rotting on the vines. Like just
0: mm-hmm.
1: near apocalyptic talk every single year. We have this discussion every year. Last year was obviously a bit overshadowed by COVID, still somewhat overshadowed by COVID. But this, you know, it is weird. This is clock is ticking stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, is are all these things? Oh, and then and then. Not the ultimate expression of it, but that you saw it—the pool of fire in the Gulf of Mexico, human. Oh clouds, yeah, yeah, yeah. And right? it's like it looked like something a biblical happening—just flames—and then those little boats trying. It just it seemed ridiculous. Another, again, another fitting metaphor for everything that's going on with climate change. It's like, oh, we'll just we'll throw some water in this and hope. I hope that thing is out. I don't know. It's probably like the valve yeah. was stuck. Right, it's probably still burning. It's like, oh man. And that's of one Earth. of those
0: things yeah it's it's one of those things though that wasn't covered on the news if you're on social media, you probably saw it because everyone was sharing, like, look at this crazy picture that looks like this is the special effect from some movie, some like stupid Roland Emmerich movie called Ocean Fire or something. And it starts mm. like Matt Damon as a firefighter, who's, like called, <laughs> called in to put out a fire on the ocean floor. And everyone's like, how can the ocean floor be on fire? That's stupid. This is a Roland Emmerich movie. But this is something that actually happened. And I have not seen it on the TV news. Anywhere. I haven't seen it on CBC. I haven't seen it on CTV. I haven't seen it on CNN. It just seems like something that happened. No. I mean, th- the heat dome was, I mean, obviously closer to home, has been well covered. Um, like th- they're talking about 700 sudden, quote unquote, sudden deaths in BC. And there was one instance where um, a caregiver was looking after someone with dementia or alzheimers one of those th- sort of degenerated age related brain issues but th- the caretaker ended up dropping dead from the heat oh, man. <laughs> as they were taking care of this this person now this this um elderly person is now stuck in care that used to be taken care of at mm. home but um the the problem is this and i didn't know about this um until today but uh apparently only about one third of people in bc use air conditioning and that's usually because it doesn't get that like this hot or even get anywhere close to this hot usually Mm -hmm. bc is known for somewhat temperate like it's mild kind of year-round because you know ocean currents and meteorology and things i'm not a scientist obviously and Mm -hmm. and mountains too and mountains helps keep keep like that air trapped in um but yeah, this is completely unprecedented for them, and only about one third of people are like truly prepared to do something about it because they use air conditioning, they use climate control. But what about everyone else? Um, and that and this is something that the the Fraser Health Unit pointed out. It's just like we th- they don't have a plan for this. Meanwhile, you know. Covid's still a thing, so you don't have like the mass cooling centers. We're lucky We're lucky right now here in Ontario. Like phase two allows us to open some traditional cooling centers, like the malls, um, mm-hmm. like the libraries. Uh, the rec centers are open um, to a degree. Uh, so at least you know the West End rec center, where they're not only giving out vaccinations, but there's also the library branch in the West End rec center. So there is some room for. Um, for for people to at least really seek assistance um, mm-hmm. at these cooling centers, but I mean, what happens if it's like? Remember this time last year, we, I think the op- reopening had like just sort of started to begin this time last year, mm-hmm. um, and I'm pretty sure like city facilities weren't even open yet, and it it, it just it, it just there's there's kind of no plan, even though this is becoming a cyclical thing. Um, the the, the emphasis is just like there's kind of no plan to deal with this and so that's how you get 700 dead people from the heat it's like yeah it's the heat but it's also just not having a response plan even though this thing is only getting worse and if we can't address the it's going to get really really hot and people are going to die part of this well how are we supposed to address the bigger concern which is actually Mm -hmm. trying to stop the systemic change of of the Earth cooling, and uh, I, mean, I mean, that's kind of where that oil uh, story comes in, because you know, the Narwhal had a story this week, you know, that Canada has spent $23 billion on three pipeline projects, two of which have been cancelled, and this is $23 billion since 2018. you think since 2018, I mean, I can understand $23 billion over 20 years, but $23 billion in just like, not even three years, like, less than three years, it's kind of remarkable that yep. that that money is still kind of going down that drain specifically
1: yeah ridiculous money and time to change it up because as you know if you live in a place like Litton, say that doesn't really have cooling center style infrastructure right there's not much mm-hmm. you can do like they the, where did they flee to a so like somewhere somewhere up the road but then again if up the road is affected then you just have to, to keep on moving and not just from the heat but from <laughs> The fires as well. It's like two two hundred fires, and sixty of them are out of control. Like there's no, they're 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 fighting them and bringing people in, but there's no, you know, there's the the plan is just throw resources at it, right? But and and as to whether people in BC are going to start installing air in their houses, maybe, but that still, like say, it's not what what will this fix, right? This this, mm-hmm. this is just putting. Band-aids on something. It's like okay, you're cool, but then uh, everybody else, like the people that can not afford it, and people that live in smaller communities and remotely and live in right. poverty, it's just there's there's no there's no ability to uh, to fight this. That's it's something that needs large scale. It needs yeah. like pipeline infrastructure level of money, and not just Canada too, obviously, right? I mean, there's lots that we. Uh, can do, but yeah, one of the things you can do is have a plan, because like you mm-hmm. say, there isn't one. It's just it reminded me of um, those deaths in France or in Paris in particular, all those years ago, with something like ten thousand people, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All elderly living in older houses, not ready for what came at them, not expecting anything like that, and there was they just they just died, and it's you never really hear about that anymore. But the, the you know circumstances. Uh, were similar and factors were the same, and there's also uh, rain as well. The you know we were we're just talking about heat, but there was that mudslide in Japan. I take it you saw Oh yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, there was some wild rain in, in Scotland, and I saw some footage from Edinburgh where the water was just going. There were a lot of basement apartments, like walk down, walk in, were just filled right up in the in the main part of the city. There, Like just they had July's rain in an hour. Yeah, and again, not ready. You know, the infrastructure can't handle it. it's an old city, and it's like you know we're not expecting all the rain in one hour. Yeah. Um, so it's just this is global. It's not we were talking about Canada in particular in BC, but it's uh, there's this. If you look, you don't even have to look particularly hard. There's a story um, everywhere, and well, climate change is probably is driving it.
0: Right. Well, and, the, and the heat, I'm, not to come back to the heat, but, you know, to, to go back to Jalalabad, I mean, that's one of those places where, yeah, it's, it's pretty hot in Pakistan for a lot of the year, but, mm-hmm. you know, p- people are used to, like, sort of the regular degrees of heat, but not to, like, 52 degrees Celsius where you – as a person you're like literally baking and that's you know that's a very poor region which is you know are there cooling centers in some of these places like do people have climate control uh air conditioning things probably not but then also you go to some place like norway which is a very well-off country still 34 degrees uh north of the arctic circle this week Mm. you got to wonder how many people in norway have air conditioning (laughs) Probably yeah, exactly. not that many. <laughs> yeah.
1: And getting back to the moisture too for a minute. I mean, that that's Tropical Storm Elsa is the, mm-hmm. what was the, the fifth earliest named storm. Mm-hmm. The previous record was uh, Edward, which was this time last year. Mm-hmm. So it came six weeks early. So much so is that that's what led to the controlled demolition of the other half of the condo. Right. Uh, so the, uh, you know, it would, not to put the, the, people, the rescue teams at risk, they had to dynamite the rest of the thing because the storm was coming and they were terrified that it was going to knock it down. And again, storm came early. And of course there are a whole whole bunch of other factors as to why that condo fell down, which they're going to be exploring for months, perhaps even years. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the storms and the climate down there did not help matters any and, and added to the whole, uh, the whole problem. Yeah. It sounds like it's an expanding problem too. There's another uh, identical built condo up the road, and they're worried about that. It's like, mm, I wonder if this is going to go the same way as this. And values dropped of all Florida condos. Hot, hot market, one of the hottest in the U.S. And overnight, it just went boom because right. of something like that.
0: Right. And I, I mean, it's also important. We need to move on to the next thing, but just to, to note, mm-hmm. like those buildings were built in the 1980s. So theoretically, <laughs> they should be built with like at least some of the most modern building standards. But I mean, it it goes to show you that even stuff built in the last half century is not gonna be able to withstand some of the pressures that are going to be brought to bear because of climate change. Mm-hmm. But speaking of places to live, you will not be able to live in Mackenzie Meadows, which is this subdevelopment of some 200 units that was going to be built on uh, land in Caledonia, uh, part of the Haldeman Tract, which was uh, gifted to the Six Nations peoples uh, almost, well, not almost 300 years ago, but. Uh, mm-hmm. 250 years ago, let's say. Um, The Land Back defenders who set up camp at uh, 1492 Land Back Lane have succeeded. The developer has announced that they are returning uh, deposits to the homeowners. Uh, They have admitted defeat. And, uh... I don't know. It seems like... I mean, you wish it hadn't come to this, because I realize that there are people who thought they were buying a house, and, uh are not now buying a house. Uh, but on the other hand, you know, could this be a, like a positive sign that we're starting to respect indigenous rights and, um, and, you know, uh, creating true partnerships. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm a cockeyed optimist about this. What about you, Scotty?
1: Well, it, it, it sounds like, and I'd like to be more optimistic, but I've got the feeling this is, <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's a victory for the land back lane people and the land defenders, but at the same time, the, the, the whole situation was spawned out of, of litigation, right? It's litigation over land claims, uh, claims that have never been settled from the time of the Haldeman tract. Mm -hmm. Um, Skylar Williams will, is is pretty adamant saying that we never, you know, this, this was never given up in the first place. It was supposed to be lease arrangements, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then um, those those were just ignored, summarily ignored from from with settlers coming in back in the day. Uh, I think from was it nineteen? There's been a series of claims over the years, but in nineteen ninety five, there's been uh, a back and forth with the provincial and federal government over the land and land claims, still still in progress. And again, Mm -hmm. the both the weirdly both the developer and the People at land Back lane were like the, the province and the federal government were a, a no show over this. There was no, the developer would say, well, no one came to our defense. I mean, the, the OPP were involved there and charges were laid, but in terms of like, it sounds like the developer just wanted everybody out of there. Right. Mm-hmm. And neither the feds nor the province wanted to touch that. Mm-hmm. But yet the land Back lane will also say that, you know, they, they were never in communication with us regarding this and I do recall Skylar Williams being on the news a couple of times saying you know we just want them to come down here and talk to us and no one came right so no one mm-hmm. not the not the province or or the uh the feds I was just trying to remember the name of, of both uh the names of both indigenous departments but uh or three actually because the uh the federal one is divided in, into two right um, yeah but so they, they they never showed up so there's going to be litigation. Obviously, the the developers going to want some remuneration for the property, but I think that's gonna it's going to come from the feds. That's where it, th- that's direct direction this is going to go.
0: You yeah. know, they're saying
1: we, we are going to be able to use this land. I don't think it's as clear cut as that right now because the argument over title is just going to keep going, right? Right. But in terms of the development not happening, that is that is significant. They find you know it's it's almost a year to the day, isn't it? Like. Mm-hmm. wasn't it right about now that yeah so mm-hmm.
0: um yeah there's going to be a big battle but the developer is going to demand compensation and it, like you can kind of see them teeing that up in in the statement that you know we kept asking for intervention like the, this word intervention um what they want to say is like we wanted the province we wanted the OPP. Or the RCMP to go in there and bust skulls and crack but, some heads, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, you know, there's probably one word in the head of a lot of people in law enforcement when it comes to uh, moving Indigenous people uh, out of protest areas, uh, and that is "oka." Um, mm-hmm. Still, thir- still like 30 years later, this is still in the backs of of a lot of probably law law enforcement officers who probably weren't. I was going to say weren't alive during, but I mean, I guess it's possible, possible they weren't alive yeah. during Oka, or at least were like very, very young and probably not watching, you know, uh, cartoons and and not <laughs> worrying about, you know, indigenous land claims. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's very clear that there's going to be some kind of legal battle being set up that they're going to demand co- some sort of compensation. I mean, money was spent to to start laying the the foundation for developing that subdivision. Uh, I think the most and it's something that stuck out to me at the the cancel canada day protests last week that you know people talking about institutions make basically making indigenous people fight one another and this is like an example of that because the elected mm-hmm. council of six nations was in favor of development and indeed you know sold the land but uh, or, or approved the sale of the land or the expropriation expropriation of the land but it was the honoshone confederacy uh, chiefs council that was like really leading like hey hey, hey not so fast <laughs> um you know not all of us kind of agree with this. And mm-hmm. th- that's, th- I mean, that's something else that will have to come out the wash at some point, is that, and, and it's not the, also not the first time that this has happened, certainly won't be the last. But, I mean, you're also thinking about Wet'suwet'en, where that was another instance where the hereditary chiefs had to uh, take a stand, where the elected chiefs gave a, gave a green light. And, you know, a big part of this is, like, Indigenous people being made to fight one another, as opposed yeah. to presenting a unified front against, um, you know, forces that's still trying to exploit them. Five hundred yeah. years later,
1: and and that's that's the challenge because the elected council is is derived from the colonial structure, right? So that was mm-hmm. the structure that was imposed on Six Nations and other uh, bands across Canada, mm-hmm. but yet the Haudenosaunee hereditary chiefs are the you know it's 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 like a different channel right but but although it, d- it does sound like that they had a meeting directly about this or i think it was in the spring sometime and that was the first time that they had met in 10 years mm-hmm. so it's possible that it would take it takes something like this to bring them together in a way i'm not i'm not even sure how that meeting go well went uh, mm-hmm. but oh, i read about it i think it was in two row times um which is the which is a, a free paper out of uh, Six Nations but interestingly the, the Six Nations website in doing the research for this makes makes absolutely no mention of this story which I thought was interesting <laughs> you cannot find anything about this even in like mm-hmm. you know clicking 18 times to try and get into something uh, there is nothing about this on the Six Nations, the band website so there you know the divide is is, is fairly clear right. Mm-hmm. So, cause even, you know, whether they agree or disagree, it's a significant story down there right now as to whether, and that's the great question is like, will, does it just become uh, indigenous land again, Haldeman tract? You can see for the, the shots that are on the news that there's a subdivision butting right up against it. I don't know who right. lives there. It's probably yeah. the same derived from the same structure of this. No doubt. The land defenders aren't saying, you know, The people that already live there get out of here, but uh, yeah. (laughs) I mean, you
0: you want to start a fight? That'd be a pretty good fight to
1: start. (laughs) Yeah, and that has that has happened too in the past, right? Mm -hmm. Caledonia is is famous for for this flaring up every once in a while, but it's I don't I don't think it's ever been a a victory for them like this.
0: No, it usually like peters out, and like usually court injunctions and things are enforced, and that's kind Mm -hmm. of like what really went kind of unusual here is that the court level disjunction was like well you guys really got to get out of here and then like nobody kind of came to enforce it
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah and there was you know the the ripping up the road and the school bus and that and supposedly that was all repaired within a short period of time it wasn't it wasn't as if that was there for months and months and months right it was like they just cleared it out of the way repaved the road Um, but yeah that's what's interesting and different about this is that they don't really want to touch it Right. Yeah. And I'm, I yeah. wonder if that's
0: well, something not, to do not with publicly. the times.
1: I mean, not just COVID, right. but the whole, you know, the way things are going right now.
0: Right. Publicly, they don't want to touch it because there's a flip side to this. And, and I, uh, this is due to some very good reporting by APTN, um, but they uncovered that the OPP has spent. $16 million in the last year monitoring the land offenders uh, at Land Back Lane. $16 million on this one operation. And then through an ATIP request, they got access to a report from CSIS. Um, and it, the title of it was 1492 uh, Land Back Lane, Caledonia Land Dispute and Potential for Violence. And... Because of like the way certain laws were changed after 9/11. Uh, granted, 9/11 didn't happen in Canada, but like a lot of Western countries, there were new laws and rules uh, uh, against terrorism that were brought into effect.
1: Mm. But
0: apparently, when you say dig up a road in an act of civic protest, um, that is a quote unquote threat to critical infrastructure which then activates certain powers in CSIS to start monitoring groups and apparently that's what happened uh, after Land Back Lane went into effect last year CSIS started analyzing them um, incorrectly at one point saying that the Mohawks were part of the nine nations uh, of the local I mean six nations is right there in the the name of of the group but somehow they got nine out of that so I mean I'm really starting to Question the efficacy of Ceases if they can't count, but just because you know there, there's this action, there was this protest. It you know there was this one where no, nobody was hurt, a road was torn up, nobody mm-hmm. was hurt, but then it activates these provisos that let Ceases come in and start monitoring land defenders, monitoring indigenous protesters as if they were basically Al Qaeda or ISIS, and it just goes to show like these colonial structures, even if. You know the prime minister isn't enforcing them, or the premier isn't enforcing them. Somebody's still enforcing them. They are still there, and it's really concerning that they are there this quietly. That we only know about them because APTN did an A-tip.
1: Yeah, because anything that's considered threat to national security is also a bit of code for like threat to the economy, right? So yeah, oh, yeah. If if you take out well, there the, there was the the rail blockade as well, right? Mm-hmm. The 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 uh, sympathy train line blockade. Mm-hmm. And I think that's maybe why they they included the Mohawk in this as well. It's just just sort of like it's that tarring everybody with the same brush and saying, okay, well you know, if they if they're doing that over there, then it's directly related to this and trying to draw links. Where it yeah, there's probably there is a there is a connection, but is it you know is it a threat to national security? It's a threat to the train getting through, but there was no um, it's it's not as if. The land defenders at Land Back Lane were armed, right? No. You know, you're armed with ideas rather than weapons. It wasn't like Oka similar, mm-hmm. but not, you know, there was no, there was no threat there. But that's, that's not surprising. No. Caesars has to, we'll get, maybe that, yeah, we won't know the extent of the involvement until it leaks out or somebody does do enough access to information to see, How much they have on everybody? Well, because they were at one point, they had a concert like they did that celebratory concert a few days ago, and they arrested everybody that had performed at the previous one, right? They're like, "Oh, you're you're charged with," I think it's always a misdemeanor, like mischief or something, (coughs) enough to get a ticket on you, and then that's you. That that's the switch flicked, and like, well, we better keep an eye on. Tom Wilson because he has an opinion about this, right? Or whoever. <laughs> pick, pick your artist, right? But he's definitely one of the, the performers that was there. But yeah, so that's yeah. Once that file opens, I don't know. So that again, ongoing oh. until until the next subdivision opens up or whatever. Walmart. Well, Sorry, we'll Walmart. Have... I just said that. I don't. I don't. Know. Superstore. The next. Super... No, we have superstores
0: too. I don't know. We will have to let Scotty have the last word there, as yes. well, as we sometimes do. Um, <laughs> can be dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> but it's also dangerous to let Scotty pick the music. Blah blah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he did pick the music and we're gonna play it now. You're listening to open source Squelch. You're on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, 12 campus and community radio. <laughs>
1: Let me call, to me go, oh, hey, hey She knew she Let me to me oh, hey, hey Trader, my gun, and the shish Let me call, to me go, oh, hey, hey Hope you're and that was our Royal Cat Records pick of the week Royal Cat Records 21 MacDonnell in downtown Guelph now phase 2 level open contact them for more information as to hours and times I guess and that was number 8 on the most recent CFRU chart that was Laura Nyquay with a song called Kinochet, Ishquishet, Sorry, I knew I would blow that because it is not in, it's in an indigenous language. In French, Petit Fille Kinochet, I think it's about her brother, little brother Kinochet. So, there you have it.
0: Uh, there you have it indeed. And uh, what we have now is a new governor general in the form of mary simon who got her start as a broadcaster uh quickly became a very important person uh in the public service uh was on has been on numerous boards um has been involved in numerous advocacy groups uh she has also served as an ambassador she was part of i gotta find this really quick in my chicken-scraw notes, but uh, she was the chiropolar ambassador who helped negotiate the Arctic Council Treaty, and then she was the ambassador to Denmark, and now she is going to be Canada's first indigenous governor-general. So, isn't that progress? <laughs>
1: well, it's, it's progress getting somebody as qualified as she is in the position, and, you know, the fact that she is uh, indigenous is is a bonus, mm-hmm. considering the times and and the. Uh, well, I saw Don Cherry trending the other morning. I thought, "There's no oh, way."
0: There's oh my way. god! Could you? But imagine? of course, the first thing
1: I thought was like, "Okay, <laughs> he, he not only doesn't speak French, I think he doesn't like French people." Let's not talk about Don Cherry anymore. But <laughs> we know that Mary Simon has an excellent reason for not speaking French, even though she's from Quebec, because she went to uh, to. The famous day school, right? Federally run day school, where she wasn't allowed to learn French. So she spoke uh, her language at home, and uh, and obviously learned English. But uh, and I saw a comment from the from the BQ that didn't necessarily. It was interesting that they didn't necessarily care that she didn't speak French. These are the this is French. The French or bust party was like, oh, it does. You know, that's not the concern. And <laughs> I think they said. um, you know, hopefully, her appointment will will help uh, Indigenous affairs in the country. So that th- was very positive. I thought about, like, well, she doesn't speak French. I was wondering how it would it's gonna. It might change the way the uh, judicial appointments that have been happening. It's like, well, you have to speak French. Not to belabor the point because it's it's not the most significant part of this, but it, it is interesting that you know somebody in Quebec that doesn't speak French because they weren't allowed to because of the school system. Uh, that is top of mind these days everywhere in Canada right, and in the
0: world. Well, there was a conservative senator from Quebec named Claude Carrington who was, quote, astounded by the appointment because she didn't speak French. I mean, Claude Carrington, I mean, if I were to, like, create a french senator for a movie i would probably call them claude carrington but um i mean leaving that aside
1: isn't he in dynasty no that's good
0: <laughs> no no you're no you nailed it the carrington's our dynasty yeah, um I so. <laughs> the french dynasty uh no it, it just it, it strikes me it's like yeah she doesn't speak french she she did say like yeah i'm gonna hunker down and study french and and that's fine um I, I think the bigger question here is, you know, Quebec, very big about preserving language rights and language culture and, and cultural rights mm-hmm. and and French traditions that, that, you know, people like Claude Carrington and the BQ, um, you know, they're, that's kind of like their first response to anything. It's like, well, we got to, you know, safeguard the French stuff. It's like, well, here's someone who, you know, was went to a school in Quebec, wasn't taught French. Here's someone who knows all about struggling to preserve their cultural, struggling struggling to preserve their heritage, struggling mm-hmm. to preserve their language. It's like, well, I, I you know, could she not be a natural ally, even though she doesn't speak french? she she does understand that struggle to hold on to your heritage. Um, and by the way, she is also from Quebec. She's, I mean, she was also a victim of, you know, Whose fault is it that she wasn't taught French at a Quebec day school? It wasn't mm-hmm. her fault. It's not like she didn't take an elective or something. <laughs> it's she went to a yeah. Quebec day school and they didn't teach her French. Come on, it's just I I feel like it's this is one of those like like very small aspects of the story that I think that um gets kind of blown out of proportion that you know it it's. Yeah, because kind of buries the history a little. The worrying about that is a
1: bit. It's almost like an intercolonial battle, right? Yeah. Between English yeah. and French, it's like you no. Know, you need to kind of detach the whole thing from that, you know, colonial imperialist position. Let's call it right, because that's you know that that's the exact structure that subjugated indigenous people in Canada and elsewhere, right? Where the English French, with that whole battle is is why, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but that yeah, it's uh. It's a very interesting pick. It's very, I'm going to say, very liberal pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then again, I guess Julie Payette was as well. But this time they mm-hmm. did it right because they reinstated the 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 committee, the search committee, mm-hmm. which they canceled when they picked Julie Payette, proving mm-hmm. that that was not a good idea. Uh, <laughs> so they they brought it back. I don't know if that was on conservative recommendation, but they were like, "Why aren't you using the committee?" So they did this time, uh, and and thankfully. Uh, Mary Simon doesn't seem to have any hidden DWI convictions or toxicity <laughs> issues like Julie Quiet did so uh, she's probably the right person at the right time for this job French or no French right because she's ex- mm-hmm. in terms of experience in let's say both worlds mm-hmm. uh, the diplomatic corps as you said ambassador to Denmark at one point and mm-hmm. you know so that's the, 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 there's a ton a ton of experience there that needs to be and when worked on serious uh legislation like the constitution and NAFTA, charlottetown accord right and mm-hmm. uh, and a large land claims deal which i was had read a bit about as well so i was like she mm-hmm. is i i'm not i think there was a hundred people initially on the list not oh. Dunchery, hopefully um <laughs> i wouldn't they, put they, money on it they but. They <laughs> made, regardless of your politics they have made a solid pick here now that I guess the you know the Governor general is supposed to be kind of a bit removed from all that and i my I was wondering as to whether she's going to be able to speak let's say freely on certain things will she able to will she mm-hmm. be able to chime in with that truth to power moment or does she have to kind of just pull herself into that governor general sphere where it's like queen governor general uh Prime Minister, these are your duties. And of course, one of those duties, as we know, which has brought on the endless election election talk, which has already been happening, will be to the power to dissolve um, the government.
0: Yeah, so, I, th- I think that's one uh, of that the is most definitely dis- a part of this. It
1: is definitely yeah. you know there was there was an what, what do they call them, the intermediary? There was you know the temporary governor general could have done that as part of their duties, but uh, it's you know there's there's a definite lead in and a lead up with
0: all of this. I think that's one of the the disappointing things is like, and I'm guilty of it too. It's, you know, I, when I saw the announcement was coming, I was like, Ooh, somebody's getting their ducks in a row. Mm. And that was before I knew it was Mary Simon. And, uh, I started sort of looking her up and getting a sense of her background. But I, I don't think, I mean, there's two ways to look at this. Number one is, um, this falls right in Justin Trudeau's wheelhouse of like doing like wicked easy things uh, that don't cost him anything to make it look like he's sort of on the stick with these issues. Like he doesn't have to, you know, start a task force or go to a meeting or set a budget. You know, he he gets to make this. He gets to make a grand announcement. He gets to um, do it in like his soft spoken like this shows how really progressive Canada is to appoint yeah. our first governor general, indigenous governor general. Uh, I'm, J- I'm Justin Trudeau, and I approve this message, basically. The flip yeah. side of it, too, is, though, um, th- there was somebody who made the point, um, uh, someone who runs the um, in- indigenous, uh, the-, the residential school... History and Dialogue Center at UBC, Mary Ellen uh, Turpel-Lafond, she said that, you know, Mary Simon is someone who has been successful in circles that typically don't include uh, the voices of indigenous women. And... I think that's very true, too. But at the same time, I don't think you are able to so successfully navigate those circles without being, first of all, in full control of yourself and your point of view. And also knowing how to push your agenda without making it seem like you're pushing your agenda, like the, the, the Iron Hand and the Velvet Glove kind of thing. So... You know, is she going to make a stand for indigenous issues uh, and use that role uh, to to further the goals of of creating uh, equity and social justice for indigenous people? Sure. Are we going to realize she's doing it? Uh, I don't know. I think she's uh, I think she's probably a little too tactful to let us see what the sleight of hand is doing. I think uh, I think she might surprise us.
1: Well, yeah, it is. It's years of quiet diplomacy that got her to this position right because she was mm-hmm. a no she's known in political circles mm-hmm. I sort of recognized her but it was like mm-hmm. I can't really place that person <laughs> but you know maybe she, she's the right person for the right time because that's somebody who has worked within the system rather than than a, an all star right it's like well let's get somebody yeah. because they've been in space or whatever they've they've done <laughs> yeah. right it's yeah. like no they've actually been in the system I mean, she has the order of canada right so it's like knows what's going on. Will will she be uh help in the advancement of reconciliation? Probably, but you know, naming naming an indigenous governor general wasn't one of the things in the truth and reconciliation calls to action, right? But it's certainly it's one of those things like it can't hurt. But is it going to make a massive difference? That remains to be seen, right? Depending on how long she's in the position.
0: Yeah, they could have appointed Brett Butt and walked away. and it. it <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know if he speaks French if, he would be, or if he'd be of an interest, but, you know, Corner Gas Animated is over, so he kind of needs to work anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> good, good. It's nice to get the humor out of our system before talking about this next topic, uh, which is the 6 month anniversary of the Capitol insurrection. Uh, insurrectionists think they've arrested about 500 of them. Some of them have are going to be going to trial. Some of them are plea bargaining. Some of them have gotten out of prison. Some of them, like the uh, quote-unquote Q Shaman, um, have uh, been politely declined their request to leave prison. Uh, But some of the politics here are still kind of rancid. Um, You have politicians uh, on the Republican side basically actively refusing... To acknowledge that January 6 happened, or uh, are phrasing it as a tourist visit, in the uh, in the phrasing of one Republican congressman, or are calling it basically a false flag. It was Antifa. It was BLM. And we have this select committee uh, appointed by Nancy Pelosi that is going to go ahead. It is eight. Members appointed by Pelosi, including seven Democrats and one Republican in the form of Liz Cheney, uh, one of the (laughs) surprisingly one of the last sane people who were the Republican badge in Washington. Mm -hmm. And we are waiting to see if Kevin McCarthy is going to name people. Uh, Rumor has it, as of uh, our recording here, that he will be naming people at some point. But uh, is he going to be naming? uh, Well, let's let's pull some names out of the hat. Uh, Paul Gosar. Mm. uh mo brooks uh matt gates uh lauren bobart uh uh, what's the name of that one crazy woman who thinks that you know getting your shot is like a brown shirt coming to your house and arresting you or something what's that woman's name oh who can remember anyway this is what's going on in (laughs) the united states right now (laughs)
1: I'm straining for the name. But I can see her face and that's probably enough. Yeah. Yeah. So that it's it is amazing. The the blame that Republicans are trying to to dole out to just random, like you said, Antifa and it was tourists. It was completely dismissing the fact that, you know, it was their man, Trump, mm-hmm. that literally whipped every like, you know, whipped them up down the road, like, let's go take the capital. Uh, there's, there's an, an amazing in-depth analysis on the New York times about this whole thing. They, they rebuilt the day. Yeah. I didn't, I watched pieces of it. I didn't really want, I'm not, you know, that super committed to this topic, but it is amazing <laughs> that they pulled together like radio chatter and the video and took a lot of time to paste it all together. Probably doing um, the committees among others a favor because no one has actually yeah. done this. And that's a, yeah. a you know, classic journal style it's like let's let's piece together this mystery right mm. let's see what actually happened here um but yeah so that the something that's come out of this it was announced this week that the Capitol police have expanded their operations interestingly beyond like what they're supposed to take care of which is the capital they've opened offices in california and florida and supposedly it's to improve their ability to gather and share intel mm-hmm. now I. Which is interesting that they picked those places, but it sounds like there was a lot of intel out there. It's just no one, there was people not paying attention to it. And all of these departments not listening to each other,
0: right? Mm-hmm. They're saying,
1: oh, you know, this this is bring up here. You better watch these guys. You better watch these proud boys. There's going to be trouble. You better watch these Oath Keepers. There's going to be trouble. You know, they've been saying they're going to do this and they're <laughs> showing up in, in body armor. So yeah, mm-hmm. there, there's, there's two two types we're at this. Not exactly tourists, as they're trying to imply, but there were a lot of people that kind of got caught up in the moment and just happened to be there, and that's been proven. Supposedly the right. first person that walked through the Capitol doors was just some guy that was there, it was like, yeah, let's do this, but had no uh plan. I don't know what the proportions are of people with no plan. And then there are those groups that I named, like the Oath Keep. you know, they show up with Zip ties, and let's go get AOC. And, you know, there was a plan there, right? And this yeah. is what's this is what's being unwound right now with the, the 500 arrests, and there will be more, is to try and figure out, you know, what the hell did actually happen, but who was instigating this. And of course, it could have been a lot worse. Well, I mean, if, if they yeah. were even organized, because there were people saying, you know, bring your guns. You should, even though guns aren't allowed there, well, bring your guns. I mean, that would have been it. I, and I honestly, In retrospect, can't can't believe, considering that it's America, that Mm -hmm. not one person showed up with a gun, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But that you know that's this is all the stuff that needs to be unwound, right? Still, even still, there'll be it'll be years, right? Mm -hmm.
0: I mean, that's we kind of have like sort of the basic facts in the matter of sort of like what happened. The question is how it happened and why it happened. Like how much, like, as you were saying, how much pre-planning, I mean, we're, we're getting reports of how like the Oath Keepers apparently had like cases full of guns, like in, in their hotels. Um, so, I mean, it could have been a lot worse. I mean, there's this, this person who planted the pipe bombs. We still don't know who they are. Um, like, why did they plant pipe bombs? Why didn't the pipe bombs go off? What was their intent? um the 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 big piece of this though is like how much some people were involved and and that's partially the reason why the the committee the the original proposed bipartisan committee kind of fell apart because i think there are a lot of people who are scared about what is going to be discovered you know people some of the people i mentioned like mo brooks who is who has spoke at the stop the steel rally but is now kind of openly blaming Donald Trump for his being there because apparently he was asked and he he, he can't say no to Donald Trump or something mm-hmm. um, people like Paul Gozar who you know sends out a tweet that says I want Biden you know to stop his certification I want his resignation basically I want his resignation on my desk by this time tomorrow and then he mm-hmm. tagged Ali Alexander in it. I mean, this is another thing. It's like, why is Ali Alexander still walking around? Like, he put out a video a couple of weeks ago saying he's, um, he's getting ready to get back into politics. And my question is, uh, first of all, why are you getting back into politics? And second of all, uh, why are you still free? Like, why are you still walking around without an ankle monitor? Like, why isn't your computer taken away? Because clearly you're a menace to society. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, there's there a are- but, you know there, there's a whole ton of questions like this well I'm glad you mentioned free speech because today we got the announcement that uh, Donald Trump is suing Facebook Twitter and Google which owns YouTube mm-hmm. um, for basically kicking them off those platforms and of course what 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 happens like immediately right after this is announced up goes the the fundraising emails like I'm suing mm-hmm face social media companies. I need your money to help me. I mean, and nobody ever asks why a billionaire is always desperately asking people for money. It just it seems to yeah. be just the way people roll. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 kind of gone f- part of the problem is that it, it's gone from all sort of a law and order matter to like this incredibly different sort of thing where it's part grift and yeah. part uh like It's it's not even just a matter of, like, who went into the Capitol, seriously wanted to overthrow the government, and who just kind of, like, walked in and was surprised they were able to walk into the Capitol. Um, It's a question of, like, who amongst these people are the grifters and the con artists, and who are the true believers? Like, who's exploiting these people? And... I, I don't envy the job of this select committee because it's going to be incredibly no. difficult to figure out just, like, who everybody is, what their motivations are, and it's like, yeah, you can say the Oath Keepers are bad guys. They are obviously bad guys, mm-hmm. but what's what's like, for people like Ali Alexander, is he someone who's, like, manipulating people to raise his own profile, and what do you do with someone like that? That's...
1: And I mean, that's, all, that's yeah. a lot of them, right? That's all of them, and yeah. Trump is still, it part of that announcement, He's he's still trying to ride... The wave that was created within the the Capitol insurrection because mm-hmm. he mm-hmm. chimed in on that. What was her name? Ashley Babbitt, who was mm-hmm. shot mm-hmm. famously. You can see the footage; it's still out there. He's like, "There's no reason as they should have shot her," and uh, I know who did it. And so they, he's he's locking on to these and echoing these. These are far right talking points, right? This yeah. is like, "There's no way she should have been killed." It's like, well. That is debatable because that, you know, the capital defense, this is what they do, right? But he's you know, they're trying to make a martyr of this woman. That's yeah. Conspiracy theorist. And uh it plays into the the whole scheme of things, even into the fundraising. It's like, right? It's yeah, it's it's like a cult, right? And the Trump all, cult wants you yeah. know
0: it's worse they're the
1: martyrs, world. right?
0: It's worse than a cult, though, because like what they're doing to Ashley Babbitt is similar to what they were doing with Vicki Weaver, who was killed at Ruby Ridge. And granted, hmm. that was a situation where the FBI was almost definitely at fault when she was killed. But on the back of Ashley, of, of Vicki Weaver um, became like this rallying cry that brought hundreds of people and thousands of dollars into the militia movement this Mm. far-right extremist movement and it's happening again because what was behind a lot of that militia movement it was you know belief that government was corrupt it had to be taken apart the turner diaries the turner diaries is making this big comeback and i was listening to fever dream the fever dreams podcast mm-hmm. and this woman who kind of like studies this stuff she's talking about like it's kind of all there on january 6th it's like the gallows because there's a, an event in the turner diaries called the day of the rope um there's actually an attack on the Capitol in the turner diaries as well oh. Um, and, and it's not like a terrorist attack where a ton of people are killed it, it's, like a, it's like she called it a, the, the scene in the book where the attack on the Capitol is a show of power and what happened on January 6th I think you could probably easily define it the way some people executed that like the well organized people it was a show of power
1: yeah and I, and I, I know, s- it, and sort of and, related to that I saw a pretty interesting analysis written by a gamer mm-hmm. and this gamer uh, somebody who designs game as, games as well Mm -hmm. Was explaining as to why people lock into movements like Q, and it was very interesting. If You can Google it up. uh, Google it it, up. Google it up. (laughs) You know, hit the Google thing. Uh, It it made a lot of sense. So he was explaining, it's like you you can get people to believe these things, even though it's completely detached from any amount of reality. Just and it's just how it works. This is how people work. If they think the answer is behind that door, then it's behind that door. And they will come up with any roundabout way to get there, to get yeah. to the treasure or whatever you name it. In in, I I guess it shows I'm not much of a gamer, but I knew <laughs> what this per- I knew what this person was trying to say. It's like
0: right, yeah. You can
1: get people to believe this stuff. You can get people to believe that Trump is the is the Messiah, and that there's a pizza parlor with with uh, kids in it run by <laughs> Hillary Clinton, like <laughs> whatever, right? you you can you can do that because people go to this place anyway that's maybe a topic for another day i don't know maybe not
0: i think that is definitely a topic for another day and uh, because i mean that gets into like Q mythology and all of this stuff and i you know it's it's fascinating it is disturbing it is weird Almost like this show. And you can stay connected to us (laughs) at our website. You can Google us up at opensourcesguelph.com. We're on Facebook at Open OpenSourcesNewsWire. And we're on Twitter at OS underscore Guelph. You can listen to the show again by downloading it from our website every Monday. You can get it on the Guelph Politicast channel on Podbean. Or you can get it through your favorite podcast app at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Adam A. Donaldson. And you can check out my news and politics site at guelphpolitico.ca.
1: Scotty Hertz on Facebook, Scotty Hertz on Twitter, and you can find out all the information you need about CFRU beyond this station at CFRU.ca. And I was just reminded when you said the weirdos, that it was something my father used to always say, like, watch out for weirdos. So uh, mm-hmm. that's why I was laughing through that whole bit there. But anyway, that's, yeah. that's the parting words. Watch out for weirdos. Yeah.
0: Well, you can watch out for Weirdos or you can stay tuned for DJ Sounds Good to Me here at the top of the hour on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. We will be back next Thursday at 5 p.m. for another show, and we will see you then.